So, John, if you were going to repeat a day of your life indefinitely, what would you want to happen? Hmm. Well, I, I can say what I wouldn't want to be happening. Okay. I wouldn't want it to be a day when I was having to edit this podcast. Because that already <laughs> feels very much like Groundhog Day for me a lot of the time. So. <laughs> Editing the Groundhog Day podcast forevermore. Yeah, that's, that's a definite no-no. Okay, okay, yeah. But what would you want to happen? I don't know if I'd want anything particular to happen because surely anything that you did like 10,000 times in a row would become hellish whether you like it or not. So I'd rather have like a day where nothing happened and then you could just make it your own. I guess, mm-hmm. yeah. So a normal day Basically, then. yes. I mean, yeah, essentially what we're living right now. So this is the dream. This is the dream. Nobody said if Groundhog Day was the dream, Harry. <laughs> Quite the opposite. Okay, fair enough. Well, to be fair, anything sounds better than just editing this podcast on repeat. It, truly, yes. That that that. <laughs> this film has been made into a horror movie a few times, but nowhere near as terrifying as that. That is the ultimate Groundhog Day mm. horror movie, I think. Certainly for podcasters. Welcome everybody to Beyond the Box Set, the podcast where today we are picturing prequels, sequels and spin-offs to Groundhog Day. We will also be picturing some drinking games and hearing from our listeners with the submissions that they've posted on our Facebook and Twitter pages. But first, we're going to talk about some of our favourite moments and give a bit of a plot summary, which maybe won't take very long with this film, who knows? No, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm interested to see what you do with this one. <laughs> yeah. I'm Harry, the host with the most days left to live. God, these are getting worse and worse. (laughs) And joining me as always, the host with the most repetitive stories, it is John Lucas. Screw you. Well, it's true. I never repeat my stories, how dare you? You want to pitch the Truman Show twist two weeks in a row. Let it go, that was like three years ago. And every week since. Anyway, yeah, so this is going to be our Groundhog Day season. We're going to do... Some films, maybe four films, I don't know, are films that are all doing the Groundhog Day thing. Because mm-hmm. everybody knows what that is. So yeah, it I mean, need it's, explaining. it's quite rare to do a film that literally not just defines a genre, but like defines a whole concept. Like, yeah. what would you call this before Groundhog Day itself existed? Uh, that one episode of Star Trek Next Generation that did it. Oh, did they do it first? Yeah, they, 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 they did it first. Okay, but it didn't become a thing, did it? No, it didn't not become, really. Like, you know, I mean, it Common did parlance. for it, it. It did for Trekkies, but okay, we're not all Trekkies. What's that episode called? Um, oh, let me let, let, let me let me look it up. But see, the fact that you have to look it up is just proving my point. <laughs> it didn't become a thing. Very true. Ah, oh, yeah, it's called cause and effect. Well, see, that's boring. Yeah, it was like in in, in the middle of season five, so like it's decent. Sure, it's not like an early episode. And I have seen it. It is a good episode. Okay. But, uh, yeah, it, it doesn't quite have the reach as a Bill Murray comedy. No, no one's ever going to say, oh, we're going to do a season on that cause and effect thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Does the episode feature at any point Troy saying something along the lines of, I sense that we've done this before? Uh, I'm not sure if it was Troy. I think it was Guinan who was uh, 
who stated it, the obvious in that episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I think. I'm not sure. Right. I meant to watch it today, but I, I didn't get around to it. Well, you are very busy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you try having nothing to do. It's quite difficult. Trust me, I'm well aware. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Groundhog Day. Should I do a plot summary? Go for it, yeah. Okay, so we pick up with Bill Murray, who is this weather reporter called Phil. Mm-hmm. Perfectly, perfectly cast, Bill Murray. He's almost always perfectly cast. Yeah, that's it. Have you ever watched a Bill Murray movie and not thought, like, literally nobody could do this but Bill Murray? Yeah. It's very he, he rare does have, to see him miscast. He does have a habit of just taking a film and making it his own. Like, taking a role uh, and, like, just letting loose with it. Yeah, well, I think it's he can't help himself. I think if you put Bill Murray in a film, it instantly becomes a Bill Murray film. I think the only director who can control Bill Murray mm-hmm. is Wes Anderson. But he's still doing the Bill Murray thing, right? Not massively. Mm. Like, in these films, you know, like Groundhog Day, he's quite intensely Bill Murray, doing Bill Murray. Yeah. Whereas, say, in, like, Moonrise Kingdom or something, mm-hmm. he's he's a bit more subtle. He's got but then a, in he's, those films, in the in Wes Anderson films, I feel like every character is Bill Murray. Oh, okay, yeah, sure. So I think that's why it's like, in most Bill Murray films, he is Bill Murray among regular people, and he's doing his Bill Murray thing where he's the smartest mm. person in the room, and like, you know, he, everyone else just make, just annoys him, and he's really deadpan with everything. Mm. And everyone else, you know, whatever happens to him, his reaction is completely deadpan, and therein lies the comedy. But in mm. Wes Anderson films, everybody's completely deadpan. And everybody's, like, a bit too smart for their own good. And so I feel like Bill Murray in Wes Anderson films is just... He fades into the background a little bit because he doesn't have anything to be Bill Murray-ish against. True, true, yeah. But yeah, so we pick up with Bill Murray as a weatherman mm-hmm. and we see him doing his weather report. And initially, I didn't realise that he was a weatherman. I thought he was just a guy who walked onto set by mistake. <laughs> He's not the first person you think of as somebody who would be a professional weatherman. no. <laughs> <laughs> you got to think, like, how did he begin this job? Was he once, like, really into it, really enthusiastic, or has he always just been this? I'm wondering, how did he get this job? Who gave him this job? Yeah, he doesn't seem good like, at it. Yeah, like, as he started, he must have just been, like, a normal weatherman. Yeah. And then just, like, built up a bit of a, a fan base, and then, like, great, now I can do whatever I want. And he's, like, blowing clouds across the screen and whatever else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it would actually be very upsetting to watch like really annoying just just give me the weather just tell me the weather stop this that you're doing mm-hmm. what do you mean all the gesticulations and the like comic yeah. riffs that he's doing yeah, yeah i think that's more of an american thing we have more straightforward weather people i think in this country they're mm. not like personalities yeah. yeah they can be but they're more subtle about it yeah, they, they tend not to be, but yeah. yeah. Yeah, he seemed like he'd be more of a newsreader. Maybe he like maybe there's a prequel. I don't know. Maybe this is what you've done. I haven't. Maybe there's like a prequel in this where he, he joins the TV station as this like fresh-faced young reporter wanting to be like the anchor, the news anchor, but he mm. ends up, all he can get is the weather and then he gets stuck there for like 40 <laughs> years and it just makes well, him incredibly bitter. Well, isn't he a news reporter as well? It wasn't clear. Well, yeah, he is, he is doing a lot On of on-camera stuff, so yeah. Yeah, that is strange. What well, maybe it's just a small station that they can't afford to do both. But I guess yeah, because normally the weather person is like a proper meteorologist. Mm. You know, but no, yeah, I, I I wasn't quite clear of it. It seemed like he was both, but yeah, he's like yeah. a small town. Yeah, he's he's definitely a small fry, but he's got like ideas above his station a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, anyway, it's uh, building up to February second. 
in the small town of Punxsutawney in somewhere in America. You can't pronounce any of our listener submissions names, but Punxsutawney, you just rolled right off there without even a hesitation. I I know that one's got some crazy spelling, but when you know how to say it, you know how to say it. Fair enough. enough. It's not a difficult one. All right. Um, And they say it about two million times in this film. This is true. Save it for the drinking games, we know. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so in the small town of Punxsutawney, on February 2nd, they celebrate Groundhog Day, Mm -hmm. which is a real event. It is, yeah. I was surprised to learn that too. Yeah. Um, So they get this groundhog out called... One second. It's called Phil, isn't it? Uh, It is, yes. Because isn't that why they sent him? Because they're both called Phil. And it's like, oh, that's cute. Um, the, the, The groundhog is called... Punxsutawney Phil, Seer of Seers, Sage of Sages, Prognosticator of Prognosticators, and Weather Prophet Extraordinary. Wow. That is his full name. Well, and this is, this is a real groundhog in a real town. Oh, the groundhog um, is real as well? Yeah, no, the, this is all... Oh, I just like, thought the basic ceremony was lifted from real life. I, I didn't know like the whole groundhog law was... Wow. Yeah. So, what, but what he, is and, groundhog? And, and the groundhog speak groundhoggese. That is also the official language. Good grief. I know, right? Dougal wanted a whole episode on it. Oh, and so that's why you're so well-versed on this. Okay. But <laughs> what, what is a groundhog, though? Because it, it looks more like it was a, just a giant squirrel-type thing. Yeah, like a beaver or something? I, I yeah. don't know. I mean, yeah, I, outside of this context, I have no idea what a groundhog is. No, but, but when you hear the word groundhog, you, you would think... Well, you'd think of this movie, but you'd also think, like, pig, right? Yeah, I, I hear groundhog. I think like, oh, it got to be some kind of wild boar, you know. Mm. But no, it's just this little chipmunky thing. Yeah, Why is I it mean, a hog? It's a fit, In what sense it's a is it a hog? Big chipmunky thing, but yeah, yeah, but it's not a hog. No. Yeah, I don't know. Okay, well, I, wonder, I wonder if it's like an American species, or if it's did did Dugan not cover this, or whether it's like a species that we have but we call it something else, like a chipmunk. Mm, yeah. Um, well. Stop calling it a chipmunk because a chipmunk's like the size of a mouse, isn't it? All right, fine, but you know what I mean—a like chinchilla. It's like or the size of a like a large rabbit. Sure, okay. I have no idea, John. I have no idea if it's American only. I I don't know. Should have done your research, shouldn't you? You knew you were doing this plot summary. I did some research. Oh my god! <laughs> I gave you this ridiculous name of the groundhog and told you the language it speaks, and that's not enough for you. God, you're so that's, needy. That's pretty rudimentary stuff, Harry. Come on, you got to work harder than that after four years. Anyway, yeah, so the, uh, Bill Murray and his producer and a cameraman, they all get shipped up to Punk's Tawny. Yes. producer pro- is played by Andy McDowell, is it? That's her, yes. And uh, the cameraman is played by, I've forgotten his name, but uh, he's played a few characters, such as on Shit's Creek, he plays Roland Shit. Yes. Which is just <laughs> such a great name. <laughs> Yes, yeah, so he, yeah, he probably Chris Elliott, the actor, is called. That's it, yeah. Yes, but uh, yeah, now best known as Roland Shit from the great show Shit's Creek. And yeah. yeah, Andy McDowell was the go-to girlfriend in nineties rom-coms. Oh, was she? Yeah, she was in Four Weddings and a Funeral, and Green Card, mm. and Multiplicity, and God, what else? So many. Honestly, just name a nineties like rom-com. If it wasn't Julia Roberts, it was probably Andy McDowell. Like, <laughs> it was basically what she did. She back up Julia then. Essentially, yeah, she was a bit of a budget Julia. Right, sure. Although you probably know her best from uh, that film we saw last year. Um, she was the mom in it, the horror movie. Oh, what's it called? Truth or not Dare, Ma. Ready or Not. Ready or Not, Ready or Not. She was the mom in, Truth or, in Ready or Not. Nice. Yeah, or well, the wife, I should say. Yeah. Sure, yeah. Anyway, they all go up to this very small town and they stay in this B&B 
and uh, Bill Murray wakes up to the radio playing um, I Got You Babe, mm-hmm. which is instantly annoying. I think you'll mean it's instantly brilliant, like all Cher songs. <laughs> uh, sure. I have um, seen it performed live by Cher and a virtual Sunny. Wow, great. Good for you. If you've seen anything that ever does this plot of the days repeating... Yes. It always starts off with a song. Of course it does. It's an easy always. signifier. Yeah. Yeah. And there's just something about when that's going to happen. Because like it happens in so many things now. Like, say, Russian Doll did it. And then mm. sometimes just a random TV show that Community might have done it at some point. I'm not I'm sure. sure it has, yeah. Oh, they kind of did it with that uh, Darkest Timeline episode. Mm. And they always have a musical sting that just kind of starts it off and then just very specific events afterwards. And you can always kind of tell, like, I think this is about to repeat, isn't it? And then, yep, <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, you can, yeah, you can say it's just a little bit too placed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but that is essentially all that this film is. It's just well, yes. very specific events mm-hmm. that are just set up just so they can repeat mm-hmm. with slightly different variants. Yes. And uh, did you find that now knowing this concept fairly well, mm-hmm. that this film was very mundane? I still think it was really clever. It's been a long time since I've watched it. Me but, too. And I thought it holds up. I'm going to tell you now. I didn't like this. Really? Okay. No. But it was your, I didn't, your choice. I didn't, I didn't like it and I didn't like Bill Murray. Did you ever like this film? Is this your first time watching it? It's my second time watching it. I don't really remember. It. I, I watched it sometime within the last 10 years. Okay. Um, yeah. No. It's... What did you dislike about it? Like I say, it, it, it felt a bit mundane doing this plot but that is because this was the first major picture to actually do this plot sure 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 yeah I get it but like I said there's a lot of occurrences where like say he takes he he takes a woman out on a date Mm -hmm. and he gets a question wrong yeah or you know he he does a thing wrong and then that's ruined the evening Mm -hmm. and so then the next scene the instant next scene they repeat the whole last like five minute scene or whatever but as he does that one thing differently Mm -hmm. And it gets very boring very quickly. Or like the piano lessons, for example. You see way too many piano lessons. Mm-hmm. It's very easy for us, the viewer, to get the concept. Okay, we get it. He just repeats it and learns it. He he, he learns the piano. Great. Yeah. You don't need to show show us him learning the piano. I guess. I think or I... show us him like refining the perfect date. Mm-hmm. Like, we get it. He has unlimited time. He can work out the perfect date. Mm-hmm. But it has to kind of put you in his headspace for it to work, though. In bits, yeah, but I, I just feel there's a lot that could be cut. Sure, I mean, it's not that long. It's only just over an hour and a half. Mm, yeah. It's not a long film. I, I think I really appreciate that it is so simple. I love that you never know why it's happening. They don't make any attempt to explain why it's happening. It's just, I guess, it's magic. Like, there's, mm. no, there's no question of, like, why he's trapped in this situation. Yeah. And also, the situation doesn't develop at all. It's just, it's, it is the situation until the end of the film when he gets out of it. Like, there's mm. no... There's no, like, mid-film twist or anything. Like, oh my mm-hmm. god, someone else is, is trapped in this as well. You know, the, I feel like if it was if it was made today that they'd do more. Well, yeah, they have done. Like, look at Russian Doll, for example. Well, exactly, yes, because also... There, there, there is literally that. There is somebody else trapped in well, this. Well, exactly, yeah. So, there you go. Yeah, and exactly, yeah. this film's been, like, riffed on a million times, as we will discover as we continue this season. But no, I didn't find it mundane. I will say I thought the love story, which is, like, the main plot, it's a shame they didn't find a way to make her particularly interesting in any way, shape, or form. 
Yeah, they like she really wasn't very well written, and mm. I think a lot of the reason why I don't like this film is that Bill Murray just kind of comes across as creepy. Yes, he does. <laughs> There's a lot of uh, yeah. Like she said the, no the, already. Yeah. I feel like the aim of Bill Murray in this film is like, okay, how do I sleep with Andy McDowell? Yeah, basically. That's his. That's his mission in this film. That that's literally it. Mm-hmm. Like it, the getting out of the repeating day cycle. He does seemingly by accident. Well, sure. I think he's resigned himself to the fact that he's trapped and that he's just trying to find ways to make it bearable. But yes, a lot of that does involve manipulating Andy McDowell into having sex with him. Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. You know, it's, uh, and then that that becomes the bulk of the plot. Yes. Like we sp- we sp- we spend about a third of the plot of him going about his day. So he so back to the plot summary. He he wakes up in the B and B. He meets up with a few other residents, meets the owner of the place, mm-hmm. goes down to the Groundhog Day celebration in the park and watches as they get the Groundhog out. They speak to him and the Groundhog says, oh, well, spring's going to start in three weeks or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he reports it. The Groundhog doesn't actually speak, just to be clear. It's like a, a man pretends that the Groundhog is whispering to him. The Groundhog actually speaks, John. It's not pretend. This is real. All right, but we don't hear his voice, is what I'm saying. <laughs> sure. Whose voice would he have? The Groundhog. I would hope Ian Bill McKellen. Morris. Ian McKellen. Yes, Ian McKellen would be a good voice for Groundhog. <laughs> this February 2nd at 7.20 and 30 seconds, Punxsutawney Phil, the seer of seers, prognosticator of prognosticators, emerged reluctantly but alertly in Punxsutawney PA and stated in Groundhog ease. I definitely see a shadow. Sorry, folks. Six more weeks of winter. On me in three, two, one. This is one time where television really fails to capture the true excitement of a large squirrel predicting the weather. I, for one, am very grateful to have been here from Punxsutawney. This is Phil Connors. So long. Well, there's a few other things that happen in, in Bill Murray's day. Like, say, on the way to the park, he meets up with, uh, what's his name, Toblowski? That's the actor, right? Yeah. The insurance Steve's guy. Guy. Ned Ryerson is, is the character's name. Sure. Is it Stephen Toblowski? I don't know. He's I kind of famous. So. Yeah, and he is instantly really annoying. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, <laughs> Cartoonishly so. Sorry? He's cartoonishly annoying. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's, he's playing that character as if that character is a cartoon. Yeah. yeah. Which works. It's very funny, but everybody else in this film is playing it at quite a low level. And just that one character is, is literally like an animation. Even to the point uh, when he gets punched at one point and he does, the, the way he falls over is just so cartoon. <laughs> like his whole head twists around and he falls, like falls down sideways. Yeah. So I just keep remembering just little bits of this because that's kind of what this film is. I mean, you do get introduced to pretty much everybody right away. Mm-hmm. But they don't all become relevant right away. Sure. It's difficult to remember who becomes relevant when. Like, for example, say, um, the old homeless man. Oh, yeah, he's in the background a lot, and then he only comes into the foreground towards the end. He, yeah, he, he, he becomes a, a five-minute plot line about two-thirds in. Yes. Where Bill Murray tries twice to save his life and then gives up. Yes. It's, it was his time. It's a weird plot that I didn't really feel the, the right level of closure on that. Well... I, d- I don't know what clothes you need on that, though. I think it's just that yeah, it's one of the many things he tries that he realises he doesn't have any control over, I guess. Yeah, but I, d- I don't feel like we've really got much of a scene of Bill Murray 
realizing that like oh some people just die yeah no 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 I get that it's true it's too late it's it, too late it did feel people. a little bit yeah like it did the feel nurse a told him though. the nurse told him oh it's his time like he yeah. just died it's his time and then Bill Murray tries once more and then we never see him again I mean you were just complaining that we saw the piano lessons too many times and now you're complaining that we didn't see the man trying to have his life saved enough times True, but I think that that's a more interesting story than Bill Murray just trying to sleep with Andy McDowell. This is true, yeah, if that was like the whole movie. Yeah, if the movie was Bill Murray just trying to make this old man just live one more day. Yeah. Yeah, like maybe he would through the, the day. That would be... Yeah, or if like, if that was just a side plot that he succeeded in at the end, like on the last mm. day, Yeah. you know, he made that guy live and he banged Andy McDowell mm-hmm. and he lived happily ever after. Sure. No, you're right. A bit more something. Like, the old man plot just really felt like they shoehorned it in and then just forgot about it. Mm-hmm. No, no, I think you're right. It, it, to be fair, the, the Andy McDowell plot is definitely given a little bit too much of this. It is the entire movie, basically. So, yeah, yeah they could have, they could have like, spaced things out a little bit more. I agree. I'll, I'll give you that. Yeah. Um, I've been talking loads, and I've not really been uh, very linear with what I'm saying. Uh, have you got anything to say, John? <laughs> <laughs> um... So where are we at with the plot summary? The days have started repeating, and so like it's difficult to do a plot summary from here. Sure. So the, the basic structure of the film is that he keeps waking up every morning. He hears the same Sonny and Cher song, and he lives through the, this exact same day again. And he's the only person who knows. Yeah. Nobody else realizes they're trapped in a time loop. Yeah. In fact, is everyone else trapped in a time loop? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think you're technically saying that he is trapped in a time loop, but yeah. Well, this is the thing. This this film because I really got to. It's one of those films that you could really like. The more you think about it, the more deep into like the rabbit hole you could go. But like, mm. are they actually in a time loop, or are they just like ceasing to exist at the end of every day? I think there's multiple options here. Like, they're in a time loop. They could be ceasing to exist. Um, I've had listen submissions that each day is a new parallel universe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's loads of different options. I did have one listener submission that. Um, I tried to expand myself, which was that uh, switch it round so everybody else is repeating the same day, but Bill Murray's stuck in the same day. But then that's kind of the same thing, even though it's the opposite. It's really confusing. Oh, so he, so everyone else is trapped in the same day in the town, yeah. and he's the only one who doesn't realise. Y- yeah. Okay, that's interesting. It's weird because it's kind of the exact same plot, but also the exact opposite at the same time. Sure. Well, the bit that kind of made me think, think about, about it, it. The, the bit that made me think about this was in the middle of the movie, there's a section when he becomes suicidal and he kills mm. himself in a variety of different ways, right? Yeah, that's a weird one, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, this this movie goes to some very dark places for a comedy. Yeah. Like, <laughs> but this one... I, 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 nearly, I nearly went down that route halfway into my sequel and I was just... Because the first one did it and so I kind of went into that and they're like, this isn't fun at all. <laughs> it's just bleak, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And that's the same for for this. Like, it's not fun when he tries to kill himself in various different ways. It's like I mean, the first time. Why, why am I watching that? This? Disturbing. Yeah, yeah. But, I liked it when he was like, say, when he was fearless and he was doing car chases and you know, like, sure. um, driving along the train track and the trains coming towards him, that sort of thing. Why did the like, police car start driving on the train tracks as well? I don't. I don't know. I mean, it's it, it's a nineties comedy, John. It's not a set in realism. No, the no, groundhog's real. Don't, the groundhog's real. Everything. Don't else is... don't dispute that. But the police okay. completely made up in this. Okay, fair enough. But yeah, I think the <laughs> bit that <laughs> the bit that really made me like go into a whole like 
brain loop with this whole thing was I kind of assumed that when his consciousness ends, like when he falls asleep at the end of the day, mm. it loops back around to the same day again, right? Yeah. yeah. But on one of his suicide... I was going to say suicide attempts, but they're all successful. On one of his suicides, um, I think one of the early ones, it like we see him kill himself, and then we see Andy McDowell and Chris Elliott go to the morgue and identify his body. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I was like, are they just like, on these, particularly on these suicide days, are they just having to live through this day where they're like, oh, wow, this was a horrid day. My boss killed himself. It was awful. Yeah. And then they just like live through that day, have, have a very bleak old, old time of it. And then just like turn in for bed and like God, what a shit day! And then that's <laughs> it. And then and then it just loops around again. Like, I, I guess, yeah. I, I I don't know. It it's very unclear, but that's not necessarily a bad thing for this. No, film. it's not a flaw. It's just I find it really interesting. I started really like thinking about it, and, and like also, mm. how long do you think he was trapped? How long did this go on? It doesn't specify, but he becomes very good at the piano. This what I'm thinking. It's like hundreds, if not thousands, of years. Well, I was, I was thinking more like hundreds of days, but... Mm-hmm. Well, it, how long do you think it takes to become fluent in the piano? And to become an ice sculpture expert? Um, I I don't know. I mean, you could argue that he just learned that one tune on the piano. That one tune that, incredibly well, yeah. Like, like, maybe, just to kind of be, you know, to under-exaggerate. I don't know what the opposite of the word for exaggerate is. Uh, to under-exaggerate, maybe he just learned that, that one tune... Mm-hmm. Maybe that would take a few months just to learn that very well. Okay. Sculpting ice, maybe he can just do the one sculpture. Um, I don't know if that's the same thing, but sure. No, <laughs> I don't know either. <laughs> but they say it takes 10,000 hours to become proficient at any, anything. Okay. Like, you know, learning a language or learning a skill. They say if you do it for 10,000 hours, you'll be, you know, yeah. a, prof- a master at it. So does that mean that you're proficient in Animal Crossing then? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. You've seen um, my village. <laughs> I've not seen your village and I never will, John. Well, basically, this, this film kind of finishes when he's basically given up on trying to... on trying to do the... like, have the ultimate day and the ultimate date, but there are some things that he's stuck doing. Like, for well, example, he can't just let the kid fall out of the tree to his death. Yeah, well, maybe he, maybe he has on previous occasions, but at mm. a certain point he starts catching him. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think there's some things just kind of become instinctual to him. Yeah, like say, well, yeah, catch, catching the kid at you know half three in the afternoon or whatever, mm. meeting up with the old ladies who've just got a puncture and sorting out their car for them. Well, um, no, all of that comes with his redemption because I think he goes through phases in this film. It's like mm. it's like the phases of grief or something. It's like he starts off with confusion and you know he, he lashes out at people then he goes to like enjoying it like he gets really self-indulgent he's like smoking all the time and eating these ridiculously mm. huge meals because he knows he's got no consequences for anything he does mm. and he's he's taking these huge huge risks of you know driving his car like you said he becomes a thrill seeker and then he starts focusing on trying to get with Andy McDowell and then that doesn't work because <laughs> every time he tries to manipulate her by like learning all mm. the things that she likes to make her have the perfect dates she always clocks that she's being manipulated and ends up slapping him and walking out. Mm, yeah. And then he goes through a phase of when he really realises how that there might be no end to this and he might be trapped forever. And then he becomes very becomes very bleak. And that's mm-hmm. when he starts killing himself over and over again. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, he just starts like, he, he reaches acceptance and he starts just trying to actually be a good person. Right. Okay, and yeah. I, think, I think I interpreted it, not that... I don't think it's that 
sex with Andy McDowell sets him free. Mm. Because he does sleep with her on one occasion, doesn't he? And then it still loops back around. Does he? I don't. I didn't think he did. I, th- well, there was, was that some... when, you know, when, he, when he reads poetry to her or something? Or maybe they don't have sex, I don't know. There was, uh, oh, I've forgotten her name, the one from the diner who he, you know, pretended to, oh, did we go to high school together? Were we oh, in yeah. that, that class? Mm. Oh, he definitely had sex with other people. Mm. But yeah, no, I, I feel like it was him becoming a good person was the, was what ultimately like released him from the curse. Right, you know, he right, works sure. with the whole community, just becomes a good person. And that's yeah. what makes Andy McDowell finally fall for him. Not because he's learned every little thing that she likes and engineered a perfect date for her, but because he's actually just being a better version of himself. Right, okay, okay. I think that's like the moral of the film. Mm-hmm. It's not great for her, though, is it? <laughs> no, well, I did think he's going to get bored of her very quickly when this is all over. Oh, yeah, definitely. You don't get the sense that they're really like kindred spirits. I think that's the problem. No. She should have her own quirks. I think it's that 90s movie thing where the girlfriend or the female love interest usually is incredibly bland mm-hmm. and doesn't have anything about themselves. Whereas now, most of the time, at least, they'll at least have their own personality quirks to kind of complement the male leads. Which her main really characteristic is, is that she is a woman. Bill Murray nice. knows her. Yeah, she's, ni- she's a nice lady, yeah. Yeah, that's that's it. Yeah, there's no sense of why he's even attracted to her, apart from the fact that she's a very beautiful woman. But like, mm. you know, personality-wise, it's just like, oh, yeah, she's here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. not not a love story for the ages, not, definitely. I would give you that. It's certainly not, though. No. 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 You love me. I love you. You don't even know me. Oh, I'm, I know you. I know you. Oh, no. I can't believe I fell for this. This whole day has just been one long setup. No, it hasn't. And I hate fudge. Yuck. No white chocolate, no fudge. What are you doing? Are you making some kind of list or something? No. Did you call up my friends and ask them what I like and what I don't like? No. Is, Is this what love is for you? No, this is real. This is love. Stop saying that. You must be crazy. I could never love someone like you, Phil, because you'll never love anyone but yourself. That's not true. I don't even like myself. Give me another chance. That's for making me care about you. Um, you got much more else you want to say about this? Uh, no, not really. I guess it just kind of ends when he becomes a better person and uh, the curse is lifted and him and Andy McDowell wander off into the snow together on February the 3rd at last. What's the, what's the moral of this? Like I said, just be a better person. Just be good. Isn't that the moral of most films? Yeah, but this one really feels like it's trying to give a moral. It's like, hey, you're stuck in this curse mm-hmm. and you get out of it by being good. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's about what you can do with the time that you have. Okay, yeah. That's, that's a good way of looking at it. Yeah. like If you had all the time in the world, would you be a better person or would you just be the same person? Hmm. Yeah, okay, that's an interesting way of thinking of it. That's how I thought about it, yeah. Hmm. Sure. I, mean, I don't think it's like the most... You know, it's, it's, a, it's a rom-com, it's a comedy. I don't think it's like... I mean, this is a film that's had lots of things written about it, but like a lot of philosophical theories have been written about this film. So, you know, it is there, but I don't know that it's like trying to say that much, you know, in the grand scheme of things. Like, you say it's a, it's a rom-com. Now, we've talked about how romantic it is or isn't. Mm-hmm. Is it funny? Yeah. Do you I find this funny? Not like laugh out loud hilarious, but I found it entertaining. 
I found it loosely entertaining. I was expecting mm. something a lot more heartwarming. Really? Mm. Well, again, I think it it comes. It's hard to be heartwarming when it's Bill Murray. I've read mm, Bill Murray can really do heartwarming. In what? Or just like fun comedy? You know, he can like, certainly do fun comedy, but I don't know if heartwarming something is like his a family back. classic, like Ghostbusters, for example. How is that heartwarming? Maybe heartwarming's the wrong thing, but like, just like a classic, and that, like, yeah. What am I? What, what, what am I saying here? Just something that is a guaranteed fun time. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's what Bill Murray films normally are, mm-hmm. or at least the comedies that he try that, that he does. Mm-hmm. This one just didn't really feel like that at all. It just a lot of it feels a bit boring and repetitive. Mm-hmm. And I know that's kind of its thing, but that's not necessarily a good thing. Okay. No, um, I think I would describe this film as like it more interesting than like doesn't there weren't a lot of real laugh out loud moments for me. You're right. It didn't really go to a hugely hilarious thing, but it made me think a lot. And I found it, you know, I always find it to be an interesting just because it's it's an interesting idea. It's very rare to see a film that is like an idea that hasn't really been explored before, except in some Star Trek episode. But yeah. Yeah, well, that, that that's the thing. Like, watching it now, it's been done so many times now mm-hmm. that this is not the best version of itself, and it wasn't even the first version of itself. All right. Fair enough. Well, well wow. Big old shit on Groundhog Day, then. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I was expecting a bit better from just the film that kind of set the standard for something that already existed. Mm-hmm. Well, it's always the way when you see a film that's hyped that much. You're always going to find it underwhelming. I suppose, yeah. Are you saying this is like the Citizen Kane of comedy? Ooh. Of, of comedy. I'm not sure about of comedy, but of like... 90s comedy starring films, Bill Repeating films. Yeah. I'd say maybe this is the Citizen Kane of that, in yeah. that it's boring and I don't like it. <laughs> Great. <laughs> <laughs> what a... Co- <laughs> that is a true, like, compliment sandwich right there. <laughs> it's just like Citizen Kane. No, no. It. It's a backhanded compliment. <laughs> backhanded compliment, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. Um, should we move on to drinking games? Go for it, yeah. Drink for suicide. Drink for su- wow, that's a, a cheery <laughs> one, but yes, he does. Hey, mention- I didn't write this. No, no, you didn't. That's true. This do- romantic he- comedy yeah. with loads well, of it. suicide in it. Well, that's what makes it interesting to me. Like it goes to these weird places that you like a regular comedy just wouldn't touch. But yeah, sure. Yeah, when he's, like, describing all the ways he's killed himself. Like, we see a few. We see him crash his car. Mm-hmm. We see him step in front of a moving truck. You know, mm-hmm. we see him jump off a tall building. But then he also says, I've been stabbed. I've been hung. I've been burned. So I was like, good grief. On what day did you decide to just set yourself on fire? Yeah. Like, that is how, like, horrendous. Like, uh, like I, I can, not that I, not that I would, but I can understand, you know, the interest of, like, hey, if I can just live every day, no matter what, then, mm-hmm. like, yeah, maybe I will jump off a tall building and have an instant death from a, you know, a, a height. Sure. But, like, slowly burnt to death, being stabbed? Yeah. No, I agree. It's crazy. And also, I kept thinking there's got to be days, you know, when the suicide attempt wasn't instant death. And yeah. you had to spend the rest of the 24 hours just in horrible, agonising pain. Yeah. Being stabbed. Like, where were you stabbed? Was it in yeah. the stomach? That takes, that'll probably take a while to kill you. Yeah, you'd have to fully bleed out. Like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's pretty bleak, if you think about it. Mm. Yeah. Okay, very good. So, yeah, drink through so that drink whole... So, drink for suicide. Drink through that whole segment, absolutely, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, I had drink for horrible 90s fashion. Oh, okay. 
Of which this movie was definitely a strong, strong purveyor. I liked the insurance guy's outfit. With the suit. I, I don't understand why we used to... Nothing we used to wear in the 90s would fit. <laughs> why was everything too big? I don't get it. No, it's, it's so weird. It, like, sense. it wasn't even like... You know, because I, I get it. Like, some people even to this day will wear, like, very oversized clothing as a fashion statement. You know, yeah. like cargo pants or something. You know, yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. that's a statement. But... Just, it seems like everyone just wore everything just just one size too big. Mm. No, it's weird. Like even Bill Murray's stuff, it just looks baggy and weird. The nineties were a very baggy time. They were, and Andy McDowell, as beautiful as she is, with the, like the clothes, just these horrible waistcoats and so much denim. Everything <laughs> was denim. Like, <laughs> yeah, just drink every time you look look at a piece of clothing and go, oh, nobody would wear that now. Mm, yeah. Um, drink whenever he learns a new skill. Okay. For example, how to step over a puddle. <laughs> that's that's how you're defining a new skill. Learning yeah. to step over over a puddle. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Or like when he Set learns something about and... somebody, you know, like yeah, learns I was thinking more like becomes a or piano virtuoso, or yes, or a, yeah. or an ice sculptor. But no, also learning to step over a puddle. That's a that's a skill. Mm-hmm. Ten thousand yeah. hours again, you know. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Very good. Drink for dodgy driving sequences. Uh, what do you mean? Like, you like know, green the classic... Screen, what? Yeah, well, I don't know if it would have been green screen at the time, but yeah, I love a driving sequence in a movie. And mm. this had some very good ones because there's lots of Bill Murray driving with a groundhog in his hand. And, oh, trying yeah, to pretend, yeah. and trying to pretend that he's driving. Or the sequence when they're on the train tracks was really funny to me. Because <laughs> it, it did not look good. <laughs> yeah. It was very much, we are sat on a studio and someone's like rocking the car from the side and we're just like, you know, <laughs> trying to look like we're speeding down a rail track. Yeah, that's always entertaining. Yeah, no, very of its time uh, driving sequences in this film. Um, drink for every time it repeats. Yeah, well, every time a new day starts. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, apparently I did look up the trivia. Obviously it never says how many days he spends in this situation in total, but in the film we see... 30, at least 38 distinct days. So Okay. Mm-hmm. So at least a month. Yes. At least but a probably month. Probably a month. lot more. Yes. Yeah. No, you, you've got to think he was in there at least for a few decades because it really seems to have profoundly affected him. Mm-hmm. Drink every time you see or hear the, the name Gobbler's Knob. <laughs> <laughs> Do you enjoy that? I did like that, yes. The, the, is it the town's called Gobbler's Knob, or is it just the part of the town? I think it's oh, no, the, the, town's the park or something. The park is called Gobbler's Knob, yes. Mm. <laughs> that was Gobbler's Knob. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, yeah, drink for the groundhog, and that's the last one I got. Drink for the yeah. Did you know it was a real groundhog? It wasn't a puppet. And in the driving sequence, when Bill Murray's having to pretend to drive, the actual groundhog bit him so hard that he had to go to hospital. Really? <laughs> yeah, he got horribly badly bitten. Like, oh dear. And it didn't even look good. It wasn't even a good shot. So No, it was awful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, oh, well. very good. Uh, yeah, I just had uh, drink every time a new character is introduced. Yeah. Because obviously the world is unchanging. Oh yeah, of so course. When, yeah. when they loop in a new character mm. into the mix. It's kind of interesting, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also drink for clock shots. Mm. Yeah. It's obviously time. There's clocks everywhere in this film just to make you see that time has stopped. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's yeah, it. Yeah, sure, I like it. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, some good drinking games for this one. Yeah. 
So, if you've enjoyed me and John talking about Groundhog Day repetitively for the past mm. half hour or whatever, um, then, you know, maybe you feel like saying thank you to us. If you do want to say thank you, you can go to patreon.com slash set where you can support me and John for as much or a little as you think we're worth. If you do, you get a few bonus features, such as a bonus show where every now and then me and John will review a film. We're about to do some reviews for Onward and The Little Top of Horrors, which was a uh, request from a, from a listener. Because um, yes. right now, cinemas are not open, so we're just doing requests for any old film. Yes, Send- anything you like. Don't need to be a Patreon to send in a request, just Get in touch with us on Facebook or Twitter and we'll review your film for you. Also, if you become Patreon, you get extended versions of the main show. Um, you also get an exclusive Facebook group. You get 30-second advert slots on the main show. And you get to choose an episode every now and then. So, you know, plenty to go at. All of that is at patreon.com slash set. Mm-hmm. Okay, and before we get to our sequels, just want to remind you all that I do a quiz every Friday evening. Uh, live on YouTube at 8pm British time. Uh, this last quiz I did was Marvel. That went down very well. Loads of people. Millions, yeah. Yeah, like 8 billion people turned up. It was it was fantastic. Like more people than actually exist in this world. That's how popular yeah, you, it was. Yeah, YouTube crashed. It, it, it didn't know how to deal you with that many people internet. all at once. Yeah. It was a popular quiz, that's what I'm saying. Yes. Yeah, so this Friday I decided to follow up with another popular quiz. It's going to be Lord of the Rings. So if you're a fan of Middle Earth or J.R.R. Tolkien, tune in this Friday at 8pm. And, uh, yeah, bring your best Lord of the Rings knowledge. Let's see, Alex. Uh, what do you think of Jaws, which is at 97% Rotten Tomatoes? I find it to be anti-shark propaganda. What do you feel about the Entourage movie, which is at a meager 33%? I think they finally got Hollywood right. How about It Follows, 97%. Worse than your parents giving you the sex is evil talk. How do you feel about Juno, which is at 94%? That would be a movie that celebrates a teenage homewrecker. Uh, how about Bewitched at 25%? Best television adaptation ever put to film. How do you feel about American Hustle at a towering 93%? Overwrought awards bait. Righteous Kill, 19%. The movie that Michael Mann wishes he had made when he created Heat. Sounds about right. I'm Julio. I'm Alex, and we are the Contrarians. As you can tell, our thing is that we rage against the Rotten Tomatoes machine. Regardless of what we really feel. Find us on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn, Facebook, Twitter, we're everywhere. Okay, and now we've got all the plugging out of the way. Let's go on some sequels. So, John, what have you got first? Uh, so, my idea this week is an idea I'm surprised hasn't happened. As far as I could tell, this hasn't been done yet, but maybe I'm wrong. So, by all means, jump in if this has already been... If this mm. is already a thing. I was kind of thinking about the way this movie's set up and how the fact that it just happens on a everyday, normal, boring kind of day means that even though it's a really boring town, he can kind of do anything, right? Like, mm. he's got a completely blank slate. Mm-hmm. So I just kind of thought, like, well, what would be... If you were, like, you asked me at the beginning of this episode, like, if, if you are going to be thrust into a Groundhog Day situation, what would you want and what would you not want I'm saying, what, what would be the absolute worst day to be stuck in Groundhog Day a hangover no no not a hangover not, not like it's just specifically a, I was thinking about like specifically what day uh okay um Christmas Eve close Christmas Day okay yeah I've made Groundhog Day a Christmas movie okay sure because yeah Christmas Day lovely once in a while but can you imagine if every day was Christmas Day can you imagine how hellish that would be 
Yeah, that'd be pretty rough. There is literally mm. nothing to do. <laughs> you can't... Everything is closed. Mm-hmm. Everyone is expected to be exclusively with their families and no one else. And super happy. And super happy. You have to be super happy, yeah. All the TV is shite. Mm-hmm. I just, I, I think that would be the worst kind of Groundhog Day hell, to be stuck in Christmas Day forever. Mm. So yeah. uh, that's basically my premise. So I'm thinking it's probably not worth bringing Bill Murray back for this. Okay. It's, I, th- I think it's the, just the, the sequel is in the concept rather than the characters. Yeah. But I think I was thinking it could be set in the same town. Maybe just like it could just be like an unspoken thing, but maybe like it's this town has like some kind of magic to it that causes oh, okay. these things. So I always liked the idea that the the groundhog is actually the the thing that has caused the sure. the apparition in time. Mm-hmm. Like it placed a curse on Bill Murray or something. So we could still go with that, really. That like mm-hmm. the groundhog, for whatever reason that maybe you'll get to, has decided today is the day. Yeah, we can work that in. We can work that in. That's fine. But I'm thinking it's a modern sequel, so let's say it's vaguely set around the now. And mm. it, it's going to have to star like a vaguely Bill Murray-ish type, I guess. Okay. Um, you got someone in I mind? Struggled... No, I was thinking like there isn't really much of a Bill Murray type. He's so distinctive. Mm. And then I was thinking, well, who would be in this film? And if this film did get made today, all I could think of was it would probably be like Ryan Reynolds. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which is kind of a damning indictment of where we are with comedy stars right now. <laughs> I, I find him quite annoying. But if he re- if he promises to rein it in and not go, like, full Ryan Reynolds, then, mm. you know, if, if, he, if he just taps it down a bit and doesn't do the whole Deadpool thing, then I can I can see this working for him. Yeah. Potentially. No, I, I, I think that you've, you've cast that very... I'm not going to say very well, but very realistically. Yes, exactly. He'd be mm. the kind of guy... Who will be in this? Because I'm thinking he, as, as well as being like a Bill Murray type, he's also playing a classic big city kind of type. Mm. Like you know, so we open with him, and he's this guy, and he's probably like late thirties or whatever, whatever age Ryan Reynolds is these days. Um, <laughs> or living in New York, he pretends to be. Well, exactly, yes. And living in New York, like the big city, he's a classic big city guy. He's mm-hmm. got a lucrative office job you know he's the slave to the rat race lives alone in like a new york apartment is he on wall street or something something like that yeah something (laughs) incredibly cliched and generic yes yeah and it's christmas obviously and he is Mm. planning once again to spend christmas in the city that's what he likes to do because this is a character who hates anything sentimental he hates christmas he's he's a workaholic he just lives for his job and precious little else and so his plan is to just stay at home for christmas and we maybe we'll open with him you know explaining why he can't go home for Christmas again this year. He's just too busy, there's too much work on. But actually, he just mm. doesn't want to. Yeah. But then his plans get interrupted uh, by a sequence of unfortunate events. I'm thinking maybe he's got a girlfriend who dumps him uh, for being, okay. you know, too, too much of a workaholic or not romantic enough or, you know, something, you know, something about him, essentially. Yeah. Uh, also, Who's the girlfriend? Always... she's not important. doesn't matter. Cameo? J-Lo. Cameo. J-Lo, sure. I mean, J-Lo's worth more than a cameo. <laughs> yeah, but as Ryan Reynolds' girlfriend, she could still do better. She's J Lo, but well, exactly, sure? she okay. could do better. What? Exactly, she could do better. Yeah. Okay. Fine. Oh, I don't, know. I don't know. Carry it on. Doesn't, it doesn't matter. Uh, truly, she's not important whatsoever to this plot. <laughs> uh, so yeah, he breaks up with his girlfriend. All of his friends are visiting their families for Christmas. So there's no one around, and he finds out that his building is being fumigated. Mm. Oh, okay. Because you know, like how. 
in New York, all the buildings have like really bad bed bugs and stuff because it's so polluted. Apparently, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and I'm, I'm thinking like, yeah, he finds out his building's being fumigated, and they're like, well, we're doing it now because nobody stays around here for Christmas. It's the perfect mm. time to do it. Everyone's home <laughs> with the family. No one's, no one wants to be here for Christmas. And he's so, like, is well, he forced to go somewhere for Christmas then? Yeah, essentially, what I'm saying is he's forced to go somewhere for Christmas. Yeah. Because he can't stay home. So he very reluctantly calls his parents back and says, Guess what, Mom? I'm coming home for Christmas. Mm-hmm. So, you know, his mum's obviously over the moon. He's not been back for like several years. He's always made excuses. And he drives back to his small town, which is the small town, coincidentally, of what was it again? Poughkeepsie? Pensatoni? Punxsutawney. 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 Okay. Did you say it like two million times in this film? Okay, fine. Pucks are tawny. So <laughs> he drives back home to his small town. And this I'm thinking this is that classic small American town. It seems like the kind of place where they would go crazy for Christmas. Mm, yeah, you know, yeah. In that very American way. Like that film, Survive. what was that film we did with Jamie Lee Curtis? The terrible one? Um, was it Surviving Christmas or... Christmas with the Cranks. Christmas with the Cranks. Yeah, Christmas yeah. with the Cranks. It's that kind of place, you know, a proper Christmas-obsessed little small town. And he's obviously grinching it up to the max. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's going to be plastic reindeer everywhere and classic Christmas songs piping out of every storefront and everything that he hates. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he goes home, he says hello to his mum and dad, and he immediately goes to the nearest bar to just kind of hide out in and meet, meet some old friends. You know, we get, we're, we're world building. We, we see some, some friends of his who he went to school with, who he's not really kept in touch with. Maybe yeah. some of them have never left the town. So he looks down on them a bit because he feels like they've not really, you know, he, he sees them as kind of just small town rubes when he's obviously living this big city life. And I think he's also obviously going to have to run into his old high school crush. Who's mm-hmm. going to be just some pretty lady. I don't know. This could be JLo. This could be a J-Lo role. <laughs> you know, the actual romantic lead. But yeah, and shes he's going to be like, oh, I guess you got dragged back in here too. And she'll be like, no, I'd come back every year. I love Christmas. Mm. So again, it's like setting up the dynamic between him as the Grinch and her as the mm-hmm. the sweet spirit of Christmas. So yeah. yeah. Is he the Grinch or is he Scrooge? He's both. And yet neither. He's just a guy who doesn't like Christmas. Okay, cool. I'm just using Grinch and Scrooge as like shorthand. But yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. sure. So yeah, he has this. He has he has his Christmas Eve, you know, reintroducing himself, meeting up with these characters that are going to dra- kind of drive the plot, and then he's going to wake up on Christmas Day, mm. and the alarm clock, much like the original where it played Sonny and Cher, it's got to be playing like the most annoying Christmas song. <laughs> uh, the most annoying Christmas song. Santa Claus is coming to town. That could work. Yeah, I was thinking. I was thinking maybe a Paul McCartney one, like. Simply having a wonderful Christmas time. Yeah, that's a good one, one of those. That's yeah. a good one. Yeah. Oh, I'm thinking of one that's really good. Oh, what is it? Really good or really bad? Really bad. Oh, and I think I've forgotten the lyrics. I just need to check real quick. It'll be worth it if I'm right. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, the song's called "I Wish It Could Be Christmas Every Day." Oh, yes, sure. The one that starts off with, It's Christmas! Yeah. Actually, that could work, because that's well, a really good Well, I like, wish it could be Christmas every day. Yes. Well, that would be very annoying to wake up to every morning for eternity, yeah. which is what I'm thinking here. Yeah. So, yeah, he wakes up to that, and he, he's immediately off to a bad start when he realises that he's forgotten to buy any presents for anyone. So that makes <laughs> things very awkward, you know, over the present exchange when he has to reveal that he didn't buy anyone anything. Mm-hmm. Then he he takes the dog for a walk, like the family dog. I think the family's probably got this like old 
Labrador that's like 15 years old or something. And I'm thinking like the dog refuses to go anywhere because there's, there's snow all over the ground and it's freezing. He has to like drag the dog around the block and it's just really annoying. And that makes him even more like wet and pissed off. Maybe this is where we can bring in the groundhog. Maybe like the only time the dog actually rouses itself is to like chase the groundhog. Okay, yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. Which, you know, arouses the wrath of the groundhog, maybe. So then he finally he trudges back into the house. He's wet, he's pissed off, you know. Uh, he's tired. And it, his whole extended family has come over for Christmas dinner. You know, all the annoying cousins, aunties, uncles, you know, everyone. House is full. So he has this horrible Christmas uh, where he, get, he maybe gets into like a political argument with like an uncle or something. And <laughs> his cousins are really obnoxious and, you know, everyone's asking about his life and stuff and it's just making him really uncomfortable. All the, you know, all the Christmas nightmares we've all had from time to time. Maybe his mom asks him to set a time when he forgets and so she burns the turkey and so the mm. meal's ruined. Um, and it's just a horrible, horrible Christmas because he's got such a bad attitude about it. Yeah. Uh, and he ends up storming out spending his night alone in a bar, the only bar that's open in town. Mm-hmm. And as he's staggering back at the end of the night, he slips on some ice and bangs his head. And mm-hmm. then we wake up again the next day with, it's Christmas! <laughs> and the cycle yeah, sure. begins to repeat. Sure, yeah. yeah. And yeah, much like the original Groundhog Day, I'm just thinking it can like loop around over and over again. And so it'll start with him like not understanding why it's Christmas Day again. And he, he's confused and he's lashing out at people and then he realizes it's true and then you know maybe he goes through phases of like doing crazy stuff like he just like burns down the christmas tree in, in the village center <laughs> and he you know he does all the things he wants to do like but like really bad things like he beats up the santa claus for example maybe mm. there's you know there's like a santa claus grotto he beats up the, the guy in the santa suit burns down the tree he maybe on christmas dinner he like laces the stuffing with laxatives so all his annoying cousins and uncles have to go just basically shit themselves you know mm-hmm. i'm just thinking that like, he goes through all those phases uh, you know he's obviously going to try and win the girl as well by you know pretending that he loves Christmas and becoming oh, yeah. the most Christmassy Christmassy person there ever was. Mm-hmm. That doesn't work, and it's going to end with him getting slapped a lot, much like the original. Mm. And yeah, I'm thinking maybe we could have Bill Murray in as a cameo, as like because he's quite old now, he could be like the homeless man. <laughs> okay, he yeah. could be or a homeless man, you know. And maybe he like actually no, maybe there's a night when he's been stuck there for like thousands of years, or you know whatever. And he's sat and he's he's tried the whole suicide thing, but all the suicide attempts have been Christmassy suicides. Mm. He's tried to impale himself on some candy canes and some, you know, he's <laughs> flung himself out. Of, he's flung himself out of Santa's sleigh. You know, I'm just thinking you could make it a lot funnier by making it, you know, Christmas suicides. What could be funnier than that? You know, mm-hmm. sure, yeah. sure. Uh, <laughs> jumped off the roof of the church. You know, yeah. <laughs> Uh, but maybe one night trampled he's just by like, reindeer trampled by reindeer exactly exactly it writes, you know, <laughs> crushed by presence you know writes itself but yeah maybe one night after all this time he's just sat in the bar again and he's completely broken like he's he, he realises he's trapped forever and he can't figure out what to do and he's just drowning his sorrows and maybe like there's just some random old drunk sat at the end of the bar and maybe that drunk is Bill Murray and maybe mm. he'll give him like some cryptic words of wisdom that will make you realise oh maybe it's the same guy um, is Bill Murray going to have a big white beard? Of course. Okay, cool. Just checking. I mean, I'm not saying he's Santa, but... No, 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 no. You you, you never would say that he's Santa, but just like... Yeah. Just the He's got a beard. That's yeah. all that matters. Sure. Well, he could be Santa, or he could just be the Bill Murray from the original film. You know, it's it's connections. Yeah, yeah. We'll just, yeah. We'll just, anyway. we'll just leave, it, leave it open. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. Mm. So I'm thinking that... Yeah, maybe Bill Murray gives him some cryptic words of advice that kind of inspire him to keep trying to be better. Hmm. 
And maybe he, he similar to the original, he kind of learns his old crush's routine and manages to spend a, lo- a lot more time with her. And maybe there's a version where he actually manages to get himself invited around to her house for Christmas dinner by mm-hmm. pretending he has nowhere to go or something. Right, and so he's, okay. And so he spends ta- he spends Christmas with her family, and they all love Christmas, and they're all, they're all very loving, and it's very mm-hmm. wholesome, and it's full of the spirit of Christmas. And he he manages to charm them. All of her family really like him, and it's a lovely romantic thing and the night ends he walks home there's a kiss you know and he, maybe they even have sex maybe he even gets laid you know it's, it's a christmas miracle yeah yeah but he still still doesn't break the cycle the next day he wakes up and it's still christmas day and he's like god damn it i did everything mm-hmm. you know what else can i do and then what he eventually realizes is that christmas isn't about getting laid christmas is about family Mm. And what the one thing he hasn't done is actually spend Christmas with his own family, mm-hmm. and actually, you know, in a, in a positive way. So, what, how he finally breaks the cycle is to actually, you know, creep out the window first thing in the morning, go find some presents from somewhere, you know, make sure he doesn't burn the Christmas dinner. He's nice to his relatives, you know, gives his mum a happy day, basically. Mm. And so, she's at the end of the day, she says, "This has been the best Christmas ever." The mom, and maybe she has a little cry, emotional moments, mm-hmm. and then finally, the next day, he wakes up and it's Boxing Day. So, uh, yeah. 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 So you find ah, that's, a, that's, a, that's a cute end. Yeah, exactly. I'm amazed this film doesn't exist, to be honest. It a, seems a Christmas, like a no-brainer. Groundhog Day kind of film. Yeah, it seems like a no-brainer for a Christmas movie. Yeah, you're really you're right. Yeah, <laughs> you should pitch that one. Pitch, Maybe that's like, right because like, more than just to me, like pitch it to someone. Yeah, as well. As soon as I thought of it, I was like, "That's got to be a thing already, right?" Mm. Yeah, it's obvious. It would you try and do it like? Would you have your your sights set quite high, like you try and go for quite a a highbrow Christmas movie, or would you aim for more like this is the latest Netflix fad? Oh, it's December? pure Christmas schlock. It's pure like yeah. It is I like- mean, all good Christmas movies are. Don't yes. get me wrong, mm-hmm. but like, are you going for you know the Santa Claus with mm-hmm. Tim Allen, mm-hmm. or are you going for the Princess Switch? Oh like- no, it's definitely more of a Santa Claus type movie. Yeah. Okay, cool. cool. Yeah, it's a step above the Princess Switch. Right. It's not yeah. complete trash, you know. <laughs> okay, sorry. Sorry I suggested it. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah. That was A Very Groundhog Christmas. A Very Groundhog Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. That works very well. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, if you're done, I assume. I'm done. Yeah, that's it. Um, cool. Well, mine is called Bill Murray Day. Bill Murray Day? Yeah. Okay, I'm intrigued. Um, is this going to go really meta? No, not if at all. If you're doing the John Malkovich thing, it's been done. No, no, I'm not doing a John Malkovich thing. Okay. I'm not really doing a Bill Murray thing. I, it, you know what? The, ti- the, the title's no good, but okay. it, it basically needs to just be about the main character, but the main character is just called Phil. Mm-hmm. Am I supposed to say Phil Day? Well, tell me your plot and we'll, we'll come it, back it, to it. It doesn't work. Yeah, we'll workshop a title, but like, you'll see where I'm going. Okay. Okay, so it's a, a sequel set in present day. Mm-hmm. Bill Murray and Andy McDowell's marriage has long since deteriorated and ended. Oh, they're divorced now? Yeah. yeah. Did they stay probably... in the same town? or no, no. Okay. So he's now living by himself as a grumpy old weatherman who refuses to retire. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, we pick up now 27 years later. Wow. Quite specifically then, because that is the moment that he forgets the lesson he learned from the original. Oh, wow. He's completely lost whatever he learned. Yeah. That lesson to, you know, be respectful to others or sure. whatever it was. Yeah. I've no idea. The film was very vague about it. Mm-hmm. Sure. Just, you know, be better. Make use of your time. Mm-hmm. 
So now, Punk's Attorney Phil, Seer of Seers, Sage of Sages, Prognosticator of Prognosticators, and Weather Prophet Extraordinary. Oh, the Groundhog. The Groundhog. It's still alive. Yeah. 27 years. John, it's been alive hundreds of years. Oh, it's like a god. Yeah. Okay. It's not like a god, John. It is a god. Okay. It is a god. There the Groundhog is a god. Okay. Anyway, Punk's Tony Phil again sets a curse on Bill Murray. Mm-hmm. Only this time, instead of making him relive the same day again and again and again, he makes everybody else remember every day that happened 27 years ago. Oh, okay. So it's not that time's in a loop. It's that everybody else who was in that loop with him the first time around remembers it. Mm. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow. That's good. Yeah. So, yeah, now we basically cut to uh, everybody else, all the different side characters. Mm-hmm. They've all done pretty well for themselves in the last 27 years. So we're yeah. catching up with all them. But yeah, they now will remember what I've said here, hundreds of days of the uh, the Groundhog Days uh, back in 1993. So, the, so like Andy McDowell remembers watching Bill Murray die in multiple horribly violent ways. She also remembers him dating her. Yeah, for sure. Years. Sure, but I think both of those would be traumatic in their own ways. Yes. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, first of all, it freaks everybody out, and then some of them start to notice this common occurrence, which is Bill Murray. Mm-hmm. Uh, and these people, oh, so they, they realise to... that he's connected to it in some way. Yeah, he's, he's, he's their connecting thread. Mm-hmm. And for a lot of people, it's not in a positive way. Mm-hmm. For like the old ladies in the car, sure. very good. Did, did very well. Mm-hmm. The kid in the tree, mostly good, but, you know, actually, a lot of the time, Bill Murray missed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he could have done better. So yeah. the kid's a bit pissed off, like, hey, I died a lot of times and it hurt. Yeah, and so they all, they form a support group. And, uh, yeah, I was, I was thinking that maybe we could go through some of the characters and decide where they've got to. Okay, sure. Like in how the, they've done. In the, in the intervening years. Yeah, and then also like what the, what effect this new thing has on them. So, okay. insurance guy. Insurance guy, Ned, okay. Now, for this, I do need him to be a billionaire. Okay, so maybe when Bill Murray invested in all of the insurance that's, you know, he bought every package he wanted, right? Mm-hmm. Which, was that not the the last night as well? So we actually had to stick I think it was, them. yeah, yeah. That's I, a great I, I, To be honest, I was ashamed that they never came back to that joke. Yeah. Yeah, I, just... I really thought like this is gonna this is gonna bite me in the ass. <laughs> mm-hmm. mm. Yeah, but maybe that massive purchase was what set him on the on the road to becoming a, a genuinely successful businessman. I like it. Yeah, it gave him like the capital to start his own company, and he built it from the ground up. Like, yeah, sure, that works. Mm-hmm. That works really well, actually. Yeah. Um, okay, Andy McDowell. Uh, well, she married Bill Murray. Yeah, clearly. Did they have any kids? No. No, okay. Did she go she on She married to Bill like- Murray and very quickly realised that was a bad idea. Okay, sure. So maybe she like moved out to LA and became like a real hotshot TV producer. Like she really rose up to like be at the top of her field. Yeah. Doing, but specialising in like feel good documentaries that like celebrate the triumph of the human spirit because she's such a positive, optimistic person. I wanted to be bigger than that. What if she's like. She owns, like, Disney or something like that. Sure. She's like a... Okay. She's, she's like, re- like... It's 27 years. It's a decent chunk of time. Okay. Oh, so she's risen... She's like a... Uh, what's that guy? Is it Kevin Feige kind of type of person? Y- yeah. Uh, he, he, yeah, he's the head of Marvel. Oh, I forget mm-hmm. the Disney guy now. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. 
That's sort of You're thing. thinking that he's like a bit she's like a billionaire. Yeah, pretty much. Okay. She's like a media mogul, like she's top of the game. She's got nowhere higher to go. Okay. Camera guy. The camera guy. Well he obviously, you know, left the camera business and um bought some property and ended up running a hotel in a small <laughs> little backwater town in Canada. Sounds good, yeah. Is it in Canada that show? Well, the, all the characters are Canadian, yeah. Are they? I've yes. never clocked that before. <laughs> okay, Nancy from the diner. Which one was she? The person who he pretended to go to school with. Oh, the one. He, oh, okay, the one he seduced. Um, God, you're really going down to the nitty gritty characters now. She's hardly in it. We can skip this if you want. This bit. I've got a whole plot after this. Oh, okay, right. Yeah, no, I think we're done. Okay. I can't think that she's of anything particularly interesting that she's doing. Sure. Maybe she married Ned. Yeah, sure. Whatever. I'll, I'll, I'll move on. Um, okay. Anyway, so this group who is, who is now, they, they have now joined together as a support group. So mm-hmm. you've got the insurance guy, you've got Andy McDowell, you've got all kinds of other people. Like kid falling out of a tree, he becomes mm-hmm. a stunt person. Yeah, the piano teacher, she becomes like a, a famous piano teacher. Maybe she's one of the people from the perfection or something, I don't know. They all decide to get their own back against Bill Murray because he screwed them over individually in their own ways. Oh, sure, for all the things like, he did in the time loops, yeah. Yeah, like the piano teacher, she spent all her time teaching this guy piano and mm. never made any money out of it. I did think it was weird. So that plot is that he starts going to see a piano teacher and... Every day she teaches him a little bit more and he gets better and better. But from her perspective, he, she, she's meeting him for the first time every day. Mm. And it's just that what he's learned up to that point is, he's like, oh, well, you know, I've had a few lessons before. Yeah. But then on the on the last day when he plays the full concerto, she's like, I'm so proud of you. You're my, stu- this is my student. And I'm like, no, it's not. This is a guy you met today. That 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 was the joke. Okay, sure. But seemed yeah. like a stretch. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, go on. But yeah, so because a lot of people he ignored for a lot of the time like say the guy who chokes he just died most of the time sure bill murray saved him like once so his memory is of just dying like hundreds and hundreds of times with bill murray nearby yeah that's that's got to be very depressing exactly yeah so they all decide to get their own back against him Mm -hmm. um and as technically nothing he did was actually illegal Mm -hmm. and also law enforcement aren't going to believe them so Mm -hmm. uh they need to take matters into their own hands Mm -hmm. so now cut back to Bill Murray. Right. He's gone about his normal lonely life, and he gets left through the door from his news station, supposedly, mm-hmm. telling him that he is one weatherman of the century. That's a very grandiose award. Exactly. And so they, they only give that ce- award out once every hundred years. And they want to celebrate him by giving him a national day for the town of Punxsutawney, known as Bill Murray Day. Oh, I see. Oh, okay. Because of his infamous news reading of that, always covering that one story. Yeah. Okay, and warming people's hearts. Okay. He excitedly accepts and agrees to it. So I don't think Bill next... Murray does anything excitedly, Harry. <laughs> Fine. Yeah, nah, he can get giddy. Look at him in um, uh, Little Shop of Horrors. He gets pretty excited in that. Okay, true. Okay. Yeah. Okay, well, he grumpily accepts and agrees to it. Is mm-hmm. that better for you? That's better, yeah. Reluctantly, yeah. Yeah. So next day, he's picked up in a limo and driven to the airport and later flown to Punxsutawney. He's driven to the same B&B from before where he's put up in the same suite. The next day, he wakes up. It's Sonny and Cher on the radio again. Feels a little bit familiar, but he moves on. It's been 27 years. Probably just a coincidence. And he's instructed to go to the same park 
um, Gobbler's Knob mm-hmm. that the Groundhog Day celebration was held in, where there is now a Bill Murray celebration. Oh, it's just Bill Murray Day. I get it. Okay, cool. Yeah. So there's like a statue of him, yeah? Yeah, pretty much. Cool. Along the way, he bumps into a few people from before. He bumps into the insurance guy. Um, he bumps into um, a different old homeless guy. Sure. you know, the first old homeless guy, he's not around anymore. No, he's dead, yeah. He walks in a puddle. All sorts of things happen that are quite similar. These things are not exactly the same. Like, he bumps into an insurance guy and he's like, oh, yeah, I remember you from 27 years ago. From, mm-hmm. you know, the 90s. So, it is all still present day, but things are feeling very similar. Right. Everyone keeps congratulating him on winning this award, and they're all, they're all treating him very nicely. He loves it. Mm-hmm. He's having a really good time. Yeah, so he goes to a celebration, accepts an award, and generally just has a good day. Mm-hmm. Goes back to the B&B, end of the day, goes to sleep. Thinks nothing more of it. Wakes up the next day, it's sunny and share again. <laughs> Everybody is celebrating Bill Murray again and again and again. I'm not going to go further into it because you know where I'm going with that. Sure. He realises he's stuck again, and so he tries the same things as before. Being nice, being compassionate, trying to save people's lives. Not that he knows it, but the person he's trying to save the life is actually the guy who falls out of the tree from the first film. Just again oh. and again and again. Okay. He's a stuntman now. He knows what he's doing. Oh, I see, of course, because he'd be like in his 40s now, sure. Okay, yeah. Yeah, but none of this works. No matter how nice Bill Murray gets, National Bill Murray Day keeps happening every day. And he is sick of it. Yeah, Everybody's treating him really nice, and he doesn't feel like he's earned it. Mm-hmm. So he goes to sleep that night, and the camera zooms out. It zooms out to reveal that outside his B&B is a set. It's a film set. Oh, it's all... And there are people walking around carrying camera equipment. And here we get a very Truman Show-style exposition break to reveal that Andy McDowell's media company has built a Truman Show dome for the Bill Murray Show. <laughs> So he's not actually trapped in a time loop again. They're just no. making him think he is. Oh. All the people that hate him for what he did 27 years ago, they have all come together and they have all built this world to torture him. I mean, that's kind of a long walk. This must have cost them an absolute fortune. Yeah, well, you know, there's a couple of billionaires involved in this Oh, I company. suppose if Ned's a billionaire, he can pay for it. Okay, cool. Yeah, they've got the finances, they've got the resources. Yeah. Okay, you know, yeah, no, that works. Yeah, and they've certainly got the motivation. Mm-hmm. And all the stars, all the co-stars, they're all the people that were living on Punxsutawney back in the 90s. And, you know, they're all sick of Bill Murray. And they want to get their own back. Make a bit of money out of it. They made a big TV show. And yeah, so for lack of a better name, that is The Bill Murray Show. Or Groundhog Day 2, The Bill Murray Show. How about The Groundhog Show? The Groundhog Show. Yeah. Simple, it works. Yeah, cool. So after complaining that Earlier on, that I once did the Truman Show two episodes in a row. Your sequel this week is the Truman Show. Yes, indeed. Excellent. Very good. It's not two weeks in a row, though, is it, John? No, true. I'll be waiting. I'll be listening to next week's pitch with interest. <laughs> <laughs> but no, no, I like that. That's a really good idea, actually. I think that's very good. Thank you. Yeah, I'm uh, quite happy with that. Yeah, excellent. Excellent. Very good. Uh, should we move on to listener submissions then? Yes, I've got loads and I've not sorted them, so... Oh God, please don't read all of them. No, I won't. Okay, the first one I've got, potentially the best one. Nick Nickish has said, Groundhog Day. Oh, I see, yes. I had a few of those as well, yeah. Brian Wilson says, February the 3rd. Yeah, that makes sense, because the original film takes place on February the 2nd, so... Yeah. Uh, Patrick Barnes says, Wild Hogs Day. Bill Murray wakes up and has to live out the events of Wild Hogs every day. 
Oh, yeah, that that's a really bad movie with John Travolta, I think. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Keith Taylor says, The sequel is the same movie shot from the point of view of the kid who falls out of the tree, and it documents him coming to terms with the endless repeated agony of breaking his spine on the pavement every time Murray decides not to save him, because he'd rather go and learn the piano, make a snowman, or screw the woman who makes noises like a tripmunk when she gets excited. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Sounds a bit twisted, but yeah, I see that. Like a psychological horror. Yeah. Simon Monk Trippman says, Bill Murray's character after the events of Groundhog Day goes on to live a long and happy life until dying of old age, at which point he wakes up again on Groundhog Day as if those years never happened. Oh, God. So he's just in a constant (laughs) life loop. That wouldn't be so bad. Yeah. Paul Spooner says, Groundhog Weekend. Mm -hmm. That works. And finally here, Brian Moman says, Groundhog Day never had a sequel, prequel, or spin-off, and nor does it need one. But if it did, what would it be about, and or what would it be called? The sillier the answers, the better. He has literally just copied and pasted my status. Ah, okay. <laughs> That's a more creative spin on the whole, let's just do the original film thing. So, yeah. I, I respect that. Very good. Okay. Yeah. Great. I have some as well. Once again, I had many that were just like Groundhog Day. So thank you all for those. Also, Dennis Fanning said Groundhog Night. Yeah. Marianne Davies said... Groundhog Day is a perfect movie. Any idea for a sequel is pure heresy. But here's my idea nonetheless. Groundhog Day 2, you re-release the movie and slap two on the title with no other changes. So Brilliant, yeah. it's the same thing, but actually like make it like a cinematic prank. Yeah. Could, yeah, I had a couple of those too. Yeah. David Pastor said you could start with the original draft of the script in which the movie actually begins with Bill Murray already in Groundhog Day and having been there for 10,000 years. Mm. So it, rather than it like showing him at the beginning of the story, just enter it in the middle when he's already like, that's just the world he lives in. That could be interesting. It could, but it also screams like the, the, the film's going to be written. How did he get here? Let's throw some flashbacks. It would be, yeah, probably like an origin story kind of thing. Yeah. So yeah. Well, it's a thought. Stephanie Browning said, Phil and Ned Ryerson, the insurance guy in high school together. It's a prequel. Oh, yeah. Slash origin story. Mm-hmm. So were they actually friends? Find out. Stephen Socher said it's going to be May, where Bill Murray relives April the 30th over and over and over again and has to, en- has to endure a constant overdone meme holiday. <laughs> nice, yeah. Uh, Mike Carey said Puxatawney Phil, it's an animated movie retelling the whole story from the Groundhog's perspective, and it turns out the Groundhog is also stuck in the time loop until he sets things right. So, mm-hmm. Sure. Could work. Yeah. Uh, Ant McGinley from Pods Up North at Ant McGinley said... Quantum Day. Just like Sam in the TV show Quantum Leap, Phil keeps waking up on random days of his life, rather than the same one over and over again, mm. and has to live them again, but only gets one day to fix what once went wrong. So ah, he's cool, jumping yeah. around to like bad days from his life, from the whole span of his life, and he's got a chance to put things right that he did wrong in the past, but he's only mm. got one chance, and if he, if he screws it up, he's screwed. Mm. I think That's interesting. I like that a lot, actually. Mm, yeah, yeah. Mm. And finally... Cinema Adventure Pod at Cinema Adventure Pod said, Phil thinks that he's in a loop again, but it turns out he's just trapped inside during a pandemic. So, <laughs> essentially, it's today. Excellent, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, thank you everybody for those sequel ideas. We ask for your listener submissions every week, a few days before we record, by putting posts out on Facebook and Twitter where you can post your ideas. So make sure you like and follow our pages if you don't want to miss out. To listen to more episodes of Beyond the Box Set, you can subscribe and browse our back catalogue on any podcasting platform, including iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and many others, all of which you can also leave a five-star review if you like. It really helps us to attract new listeners, so please do consider doing that. 
We're also available on Patreon, as mentioned before. It's exclusively for the people who would rate us more than five stars if they could. You can find the links in the description below or at beyondtheboxset.com. And next week, Harry, mm-hmm. is it my turn to do a Groundhog Day movie? Uh, yeah, it is. Sure, okay. So I had to do a little bit of a Google for um, movies that use the Groundhog Day concept. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm, sh- I'm sure we've got a lot of crossover in uh, ones that you know we're probably going to do this season. I'm sure mm-hmm. you've got a few in mind. Uh, I came across one that I'm not sure whether you'd have thought of this one or not, but I know it's a very popular cult film that a lot of people rate very highly that we've never done before. Mm-hmm. I've never seen it before, actually. But I think it might be an interesting one to do. Okay. So I am going to nominate a little film called Primer. Primer? Do you know it? Um, I know of it, but I don't know what it's about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's one of those films that's like loosely been on my list. Yeah. But I've never actually... Uh, yeah. I think it's the sort of one that, like, if I see something about it on YouTube, I'll skip over that part of the video. Sure, yeah. Like, I've always meant to watch it and know that it's something to kind of avoid knowing about. Okay, Okay, cool. I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, great. A film that neither of us have seen before, so we'll see. Do you know if it actually fits this season? It came up on a list when I literally Googled Groundhog Day movies, so apparently there's... Yeah. Okay, cool. Close enough. I'm I'm happy enough with that. Cool, great. Excellent. Well, join us next week for Primer. Yeah. Cool. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening. Bye. See you next week. Bye. one time where television really fails to capture the true excitement of a large squirrel predicting the weather.